0: you open your uh, Bible up to Acts chapter 10. I'm not going to read the whole chapter. I'm going to try to get through this whole chapter. I'll talk like an auctioneer. You just don't take notes. Get the recording because you, you won't keep up. Okay? Uh, there's a lot to cover, but it's kind of a, a one-shot deal. It really doesn't loan itself to being broken up into parts. So we'll start starting. Let's pray. God, as we look into your word, we pray a blessing. Speak to our hearts and tell us the things that would benefit us most, that would glorify you, and that would make us the people that you want us to be. In Jesus' name, amen. Salvation happens here um, in a a kind of surprising way. Uh, Chapter 8, you know, we talked about this. The Ethiopian eunuch, a son of Ham, one of uh, Noah's sons, was saved. Uh, And then in chapter 9, we looked at a son of Shem, a Shemite, uh, one, Saul of Tarsus, was saved. And here we're going to look at the gospel going to the Gentiles, uh, because even, you've got to remember, even when he saved the son of Ham, he was a, a, a Jewish proselyte. When the gospel went to the Samaritans, they're half-Jewish. And we see Jewish people get saved, and we're like, oh, cool with that. This is different. This is crossing over a line. These, these, these people who are saved. They have no Jewish blood in whatsoever. Now, if you look at your spiritual lineage, you, it was last summer that someone fought, Larry Ingalls was here. Larry's the guy who led me to the Lord. He shared, if you remember. Uh, and who led him to the Lord? A guy named Wayne, who I never met. And who led him to the Lord? Lord I don't know. But if, you, if we... We could track it all the way back. It might be tracked all the way back to this study right here. Suze was uh, saved by, we, I, I'm, we're thinking it was Greg Laurie because it was back in the day when we didn't care about, you know, names like that. Who was led to the Lord by Pastor Chuck? It was at Calvary Chapel in Costa Mesa. Costa that's where Suze was saved. Her lineage is Chuck, Chuck Smith. Who led him to the Lord? Well, I don't know. You know what I mean? But if we traced it all the way back, it would probably be right here in Acts chapter 10. That's why it's so exciting for me. This is the gospel going to Gentiles and going to Europeans. As I look around the room, most of us are European descended. And so this is very exciting for me personally. This is our lineage. This is is, is God including us. Why should he? Because he's no respecter of persons, we'll find out. There was a certain man of Caesarea... Uh, there was a certain man in Caesarea, that's Caesarea. There's two of them, by the way. This one's about 60 miles from Joppa. It's named after uh, Caesar Augustus. Um, both of the Caesareas were. Uh, and this is a really nice place. Uh, it, it's, he's a centurion. When the scripture talks about centurions, especially in the book of Acts, they're always like honorable people. And this guy's an honorable guy. He's of the band called the Italian Band. The Italian cohort is the idea, part of a regiment, part of a a whole larger group. Uh, He's a devout man, we find out in verse 2, and one that feared God with his whole house, which gave much alms to the people and prayed to God always. So he's good. He's going to heaven already because, you know, uh, he's a good guy. He's a prayer guy. He's a giving guy. He's a devout guy. So you know how you talk to people all the time? I'm a good person. This is a good person, okay? And when people say they're a good person, they're saying, you know, when God looks at my pros and cons and weighs me all out, I'm going to heaven because I'm better, I'm more good than bad. This is exactly wrong. This is absolutely, entirely, upside-down, backwards, wrong thinking. If this man were going to heaven on his merit, why does he need the gospel? Why does God do this whole elaborate thing, send him an angel? Well, let's keep reading. He saw in a vision, evidently, about the ninth hour, three in the afternoon-ish. Okay, you start counting from sunup, and you think sunup's around six o'clock, and it is in the Holy Land. I mean, it doesn't change too much. You know, It changes in Alaska and South The South Pole, you have you know real long days and real long nights during part of the years, but around the equator, it you know it's it's about the same time all the time. So, think about six in the morning. You add nine hours to that. That's how he started counting. You're thinking about three in the afternoon. Okay. Uh, He saw in a vision evidently about the ninth hour of the day an angel of God coming into him and saying to him, Cornelius. Okay, is an angel of the Lord. Uh, A good angel, a holy angel. Is it is it a demonic manifestation? Hey, there's gold plates, Mr. Smith, and you've got to go dig them up, and they're in reformed hierarchy. Nothing like that. This is a real angel from God. And by the way, I don't doubt that Joseph Smith saw an angel. I just doubt of the origin of the angel. Uh, when he looked on him, he was afraid, because that's what happens when you see angels. This is a guy who's trained not to be afraid. I mean, he, he, he looks at people swinging swords and meaning him mayhem and carnage, and he, you know, just sneers and does his duty. This guy, he's not, he's not easily afraid. When you see an angel, guess what? You're like, yeah. Uh, he looked on him, and he was afraid, and he said, what is it, Lord? And he said unto him, thy prayers and thine arms are come up for a memorial before God. Hey, we know in heaven we're che- God's checking you out. He knows you're devout. He knows you're the real deal. He knows you want to know him more. Now send men to Joppa and call for one Simon, whose surname is Peter. He lodges with one Simon, a tanner whose house is by the uh, the seaside. He shall tell thee what thou oughtest to do. What's this all about? Listen, angel guy, this is 70 miles, 60 miles away. Why are you going to send for Peter? Why don't you just tell him the gospel? Don't you think the angel would know it? Well, here's the deal. Probably not. Angels aren't... Angels don't get saved and they don't need salvation. Jesus didn't die for angels. The angels who left their first estate, the third if, if you'll believe it, who went with Satan, they, they don't have opportunity for redemption. The, the two thirds who stayed in, in God, God's holy angels, they don't need redemption. They haven't fallen from grace, so to speak, or whatever it is. They haven't. There's no. There's no redemption for angels. Okay. So do they understand redemption? Do they understand? You know, we're we're told in the New Testament that angels look at us and they think like, "Wow." They 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 long to look into the things regarding grace. They don't understand them. How could they? You understand them. You're a a beneficiary. You're a participant in the grace of God. You understand them well. Angels don't. Two, angels aren't commissioned in the Great Commission to share the gospel. That's your and my wonderful privilege exclusively. One exception that I know in the book of the Revelation, there's a holy angel flying through the heavens declaring the everlasting gospel over the whole earth. God making sure everyone gets an opportunity to hear and everyone, and that's a one-time, one-time-only event. The, the norm, the day, today's way it's supposed to, if your neighbor needs to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ, it's our great privilege to do that. And I think, thank you, Lord. So this angel could tell, I'm very economical, but two salvations are going to happen. This, this man and his household and all his friends, they're going to get saved. And Peter's going to get saved. What are you talking about? Peter's already saved. Peter's going to get saved from his attitude and his prejudice. God, once he saves us, redeems us, we're going to heaven. Now he's continually saving us. From what? All the stuff that's in our lives that needs to be corrected, that needs to be changed, that isn't perfect, that isn't godly. Listen, we, we say you know God saves us just as we are. But he loves us too much to leave us the way we are. He's constantly at work in our lives to bring us to that place where of blessing, of, of where he wants us to be. He doesn't want us to be victimized by sin, by wrong attitudes, by hatred, by prejudice, by no good, bad thoughts. And this is what we're going to see here today. He sends to a place called Joppa, okay? Simon, Simon Peter. He's at Joppa. He's His surname is Peter. He lodges with Simon, a tanner. Is that important? Yeah, because God's already involved in Simon Peter's life, breaking down his prejudices. He's in a house of a tanner. A tanner is a man who works with hides. He tans them. He's always working around dead animals. So he is consistently unclean, ceremonially. And here's Peter lodging in his house. God breaking down the barriers. Notice he's at Joppa. He's about to go to the Gentiles. Do you remember in the Old Testament a prophet called to the Gentiles who didn't really want to go? He was Jonah, and he was at Joppa as well. He, he, and, and that's where you know, he gets on a, a vessel, and they storm overboard in a great storm, and he gets swallowed by this sea being. Okay? This is what the word says, you say a whale could never, well two whales could swallow a man, you say well I think the word is fish, well there's two fish that could swallow a man whole too, if it's a fish he's, he's very cold and if it's a, a, a whale he's very warm whatever this sea being is, it spits him up on uh, dry land, throws him up and then he ends up going to Nineveh where he didn't want to go to preach to the Gentiles where he didn't want to preach to now do you think Simon son of Jonah, what a coincidence, would remember that story when someone knocks at his door. He's thinking, I don't want a whale of a ride today. I think I'll just go with. Uh, or who knows, right? So he's lodging with Simon at tanner whose house is by the sea. He's going to tell you what you ought to do. Why should you ought to do anything? You're a good guy, right? Isn't that what the angel's saying? Good people go to hell. Good people like we say, they go to hell. There was no one good enough talking to a treasured niece last night who was visiting us and we were talking about this thing. She believes in good people. There is no righteous, no not one. Oh, I know what you're saying. Yeah, this guy next to me, he keeps his lawn nice. He doesn't throw wild parties. He's very friendly. He helps me, you know, uh, snow blow my yard when I'm out there and stuff. He's a good guy. I know what you're saying. I know what you mean. But that's not enough to get us into heaven and nobody's keeping God's standard, when Jesus says, be perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect, we understand that. We're not, we're not where we ought to be. This guy, he's, he's a good guy, but he needs salvation. Like you do, like I do. When the angel which spake with Cornelius was departed, he called two of his household servants and a devout soldier of them and waited on uh, uh, that waited on him continually and when he declared all these things none of them he sent them to Joppa so he calls those guys okay go get Peter bring him back here on the as they went on their journey and drew nigh into the city Peter went up upon a housetop to pray about the sixth hour so it's noon okay six plus six is twelve it's noon okay so he's upstairs and he's praying and he became very hungry well why well because it's noon you know you know how he is you know how we are you know it's time to eat and your stomach tells you okay uh, uh, food would be nice and he would have eaten but while they made ready he fell into a trance did he fall asleep I, I think a trance is what happens he has a vision I think it happens while you're awake a dream is what happens while you're asleep and God could speak through either occurrence but this is God speaking God showing him something and he saw a heaven open and a certain vessel descending up un, uh, unto him as it had been, a great sheet knit at the four corners and lit down to the earth. So it's this big sheet. Like what, like a bed sheet? Yeah, I don't know, I think so. And wherein were all manner of four-footed beasts of the earth and wild beasts and creeping things and fowls of the air. And there came a voice to him, Rise, Peter, kill and eat what, like bugs and bats and like camels and, uh, as a test. I know, Lord, you're testing me. You're testing me. Uh, Peter said, "No, Not so, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. Let's talk about Jewish dietary laws. In the book of Leviticus, I think in the 13th chapter, if I'm not mistaken, there's a couple chapters there. This is what you can eat among fish. This is what you can eat among birds. This is what you can eat among you know, uh, mammals, you know, and and there's, you know, provisions. If it chews the cud, if it has a cloven hoof, and it has to have both of those things, and God gives examples of things that have a cloven hoof, but don't chew the cud like, like a pig, for instance. And he gives an example of something that chews the cud, like a rabbit, but doesn't have a cloven hoof. You can't eat them. And so we have these Jewish dietary laws. I would like to talk about that extensively at some other time when we go through that. This isn't about that because people say, "Okay, now you can eat anything because God said go for it." I, I I'm not a, I, I'm not someone who keeps kosher. Okay, I, I, don't, I don't believe that. If you want to and you have a strong conviction, God bless you. I don't think you're. I don't think you're going to be in trouble, with God, because you don't eat pork chops. And sides more bacon for the rest of us is always a good thing in my in my thinking but here's the thing if you do that please don't act all holier than thou cuz guess what you're not and if you've got a strong conviction do do what your convictions tell you you're still not going to live to be a million okay uh and I don't think it's incumbent upon the church for a lot of reasons. We can talk about that some other time. But I don't think this passage is about that. I don't think God's saying, "Okay, Peter, kosher laws are put aside now." That's not what. Why Cornelius had a dream? Uh, that's not why he saw a vision. I mean, of an angel. That's not why Peter's going so he can go and eat pork chops with the Gentiles. None of that is 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 germane. So I'm watching YouTube like I do, and and you know seeing this and. And a lot of people brought out, well, this is what this is about. You know, God's given us, now we can, you know, eat ham. Really? That's what you come away with this? That's that's the big takeaway? And then there's those who were defending, oh, this doesn't get rid of our kosher laws. we still got to, you guys can have that debate. I don't think any of that has to do with anything here. So Peter says, hey, I ain't doing that. I think he thinks he's taking a test because otherwise he's, being really disobedient, right? Look, not so, Lord, Master, Lord, right? I'm not doing what you say, Master. How do you say not so and Lord in the same sentence? Peter says it several times in Scripture, doesn't he? You know, I'm going to the cross. Oh, this thing far from you. Right? Hey, uh, let down your nets. Uh, we've been fishing all night. Listen, you're the itinerant preacher. I'm the fisherman. You don't fish in the day. You don't fish in this part of the lake. You fish at night. All right, I'll do it because you asked me to. He's just always at odds with what Jesus is trying to accomplish. You, I, I love him. I love him. He's one of my Bible heroes. Why? Because it's like looking in a mirror. I just, I see, you know, what's just like compliance, instant compliance? God says this and we just go about doing that. What does that look like? You know, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't do that real well all the time. Sometimes I have. As I get older and I realize God's ways are better. But I mean, all these things are like painstaking things. He had to take me through and show me. And I look at Peter and I, I have to laugh. He's so, he's so like us in so many ways. Not so, Lord. <coughs> I don't, I don't I only eat kosher. Kosher, by the way, is a Jewish word. means clean. He's saying, I don't eat unkosher. I don't eat unclean things. I don't do that like that. I've never eaten camel. I've never eaten bat. I know what your word says. I would never think about disobeying your word in these, in these matters. And the voice spake unto him again the second time. What, hath, what God has cleansed, that call not thou common. Read here. How dare you? <laughs> if I've cleansed it, it's clean. Uh, think about that for a while, Peter. Now he's, it's is non-obvious. This was done thrice. Why? Because that's Peter. You know, he denied Christ three times. Three times he had to be reestablished by Jesus. And you can look at many times in scripture, the three times. Peter's always like three times because that's, that's who he is. <coughs> this was done thrice and the vessels were sealed up again to heaven. Well, Peter doubted in himself what this vision, which he had seen, should mean. He's, he's working it out in his mind. What is this all about? What was this? You know, eat camel. Eat bugs. Non, no, I'm not talking about kosher bugs like crickets and grasshoppers. I mean, worms. I mean, you know, all manner of creeping things, right? Okay, p- Peter, dinner time. Yeah, I don't think I want to eat any of that nasty stuff. I've cleaned it, cleansed it. You eat it, and you don't give me any backtalk. What is God doing here? What is God talking about? It's non-obvious, I think. It's only obvious to us as we've read the whole story. He doubted himself with his vision which which he had seen should mean. Behold, the men which were sent from Cornelius had made inquiry uh, for Simon's house and stood before the gate. What a coincidence. And when I say what a coincidence, I mean this isn't coincidental at all. Factor in the sarcasm, I believe coincidence isn't a kosher word. And they called and asked whether Simon, which was surnamed Peter, were lodged there. While Peter thought on the vision, the Spirit said unto him, Behold, three men seek thee. Arise therefore and get thee down and go with them, doubting nothing, for I have sent them. Oh, that's what the vision's about. Now he sees these Gentiles at his door. Unclean people. You can't go in the house of a Gentile. You can have a Gentile in your house. Why? Hmm, that's, pretty, that's a good question. It's pretty hard to answer. Can I offer this for a reason? Racism? Do you know a Bible verse? And if you, and if you do, please share it with me because I've been in the Bible for since I was 20. As you look at me, I'm considerably older. And I've never found the verse where God forbids Jews and Gentiles for being in the same vicinity, house, touching. You remember, like, anyone see the movie uh, Fiddle on the Roof? We all did, right? That's like my favorite musical. I love the story and I love the music. You remember when he, he he's meeting his son-in-law, the cub, who he doesn't really want to be his son-in-law at all. He's forbidden his daughter to marry him. And he shakes his hand, he gives him one of these little just barely, like, you know, and the guy re- grabs his hand and shakes it firmly. And it's, it's like, yeah, I don't really want to touch you. You're kind of unclean and you're going to Make me unclean too. That was the thought. Where's the verse? They just thought, okay, we're the chosen people, are they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, and everyone else isn't chosen, isn't called, isn't. So they're just basically kindling for fu- uh, kindling the fires of hell forever. Uh, imagine that, you know, people ministering to you, thinking nothing but a presto log eternally. That's your function, right? racism was bred in that situation I hate racism I hate racism I was one when I was young and stupid I grew up in a very racist society it was kind of the normal my friends were like we use the n-word prolifically call each other that even though we all white I when my eyes were open When I got saved, when I was born again, when I became a new creature in Christ, there's no room in my life for this whatsoever. It's funny to me that I think people are still sometimes, even Christians are that way. I have a friend, nobody you know, don't try to put this on anyone, There's nobody you know, he's got a daughter he just wants to see married. She's living down in the southern part of uh, uh, New England. And he says, boy, I just hope she finds a nice guy to marry, a nice white guy, and I thought, what <laughs> I said what I I was really taken aback by that I was I remember talking to a, a, a devout man one who really loves Jesus and his choir director was a black lady and he was really you know him and his wife were really put out by that and we would me and Susie were talking to them and and they were like well you know and we're like look at you like what are we, is it we're supposed to know you remember that and uh he said, because okay, cut to the chase. And my kids were like in junior high or high school time. He goes, well, you wouldn't like it if one of your, your sons married a black woman. And we're looking at, like, what? <laughs> you mean a non-Christian black woman? He goes, no, she could be Christian. I'm like, we wouldn't care about that. We, we. How, do, how does that even matter? Like, you know, because like people always talk about this interracial marriage. Last time I counted, there's one race, the human race, and we're all part of it. All your late greats got off the boat in uh, uh, the same boat, the ark, and we're all related, okay? Uh, so people move this way and this way, and then, you know, genetics happen, certain traits become, that's all there is to that. God didn't make, manufacture, like, uh, you know, at, at Eden, uh, Orientals and Latinos and Anglos, and he, he didn't do like that. He, he made whatever color Adam and Eve were. Does it matter to you? Because it really doesn't matter to me. Uh, I have the idea they were Semitic types because they lived in that region. And uh, or, or not or, or whatever, and then not everything else is just genetics. There's no interracial marriage. Now keep, interbreed. Breeds are important. Okay, don't marry something that's not human. That would be right off the table. But if they're human beings, that's the only prerequisite, other than their belief in God. So we just we we just we're Christians. We love Jesus, and God's no respecter of persons. Of course, we wouldn't care if our... Now, having said that. Uh, my son married a, a, a European like himself, and we love her like our daughter. It's not like we have a preference. It's just that we didn't really tell. We never told the kids. You make sure you date white women, or we did tell them. Make sure you marry a Christian girl. You know what I mean. But other than that, so uh, my friend who said like I just I just want to you know, find a nice white guy, and I thought like, man, I have an idea. I'm not prophesying or anything, and I'm not praying for, but I have an idea that God's going to cloud up and rain on his parade. You can't, I can't stand. Well, I can't stand with Peter, and God's not going to allow it to. So these guys come, and he goes, hey, go with them, asking nothing. Don't doubt anything. I've sent them. I, the Holy Spirit of God, have sent these men to you. They're men. They're people. They deserve, they have, uh, not deserve, they they, I, I, I'm not a respecter of people. They have access to me just like you have access to me. Then Peter went down to the men which were sent unto him from Cornelius and said, Behold, I, I am him whom you seek. What is the cause wherefore you are come? Hey what, hey, what can I do for you? Okay. And they said, Cornelius the centurion, a just man, and one that feareth God and of good report among all the nations of the Jews. They've given him his pedigree, his bona fides, right? His, this is the reason why you should come. Which, they don't need that. But they, that they think like that because we think like that. He's a, good de- he's a really good guy. I know it's a long way, but he's got a good report among all the nations of the Jews. He was warned from God by an holy angel to send for thee into his house and to hear words of thee. So we got an angel on this end. we got the vision on this end. God pulling and pushing him. But he's on both sides of the rope making sure this happens. Wonderful. Then called he them in and lodged them. Now this is huge. This is Paul. This is Peter's prejudice starting to go away. He's in this man Joppa. Uh, 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 he's at Joppa in this man Simon of Tanner's house. God breaking down these prejudices. He's seeing these these leather skins and he's thinking about new wineskins. He's he knows he's the son of Jonah. Okay, I don't mean Jonah the prophet is late. Great, his his father's name is Jonah. He would be at Joppa. He would. Think all these things out. And now the Spirit of God sends Gentiles to him and says, Go with. Go with. Okay, Lord, I'm, I'm in, but whew, what are you doing now? Listen, he's going to get in trouble for this. We're going to find out next week, okay? This doesn't go over real good with his, his, those of the circumcision, his cronies, all right? He called them and he lodged them and on the morrow Peter went away with them and a certain brother from Joppa accompanied him. So he's got a, his entourage going with these Gentiles. And the morrow after they entered into Caesarea, Cornelius waited for them and had called together his kinsmen and their friends. Because if you're going to hear the gospel for the first time, invite everyone you know. I think this Cornelius is an exciting, good guy. I like him. I like him really well. He's a devout man. And he's like, okay, I'm missing something. Something's out of the equation here. We got to hear it. We got to get. So he gets all of his buddies together, all of his family, his kinsmen, and his near friends. And as Peter was coming in, Cornelius met him and fell down on his feet and worshiped him. And Peter says, finally, somebody who knows who I. Kiss the ring. Kiss the ring. I'm the first pope after all. Right? 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 No. He's a devout Jew. He's, he, he understands what idolatry looks like. I think he's, it says here uh, Peter was coming and Cornelius fell down met him at his feet and worshipped him. And Peter took him up saying, stand up, I myself am also a man. I have an idea he comes more in glued than that. Oh, don't do that! Stand up, boy! I'm a guy just like you because I have an idea that he thinks that don't do that. I might like it, and then all is lost. I mean, he, he, he won't accept worship. Uh, guys, don't kneel in front of other guys. Just don't. I, just, I take this opportunity when we talk about this to, to tell you. God, me kneeling before a human being? Yeah, when pigs fly. In, in, the exceptions, again, I always feel like I have to say. If you somebody in a wheelchair and you want to get down to their level, so it works the same as somebody in like a hospital and you want to get down by their bed. You can take a knee. Feel free to do that. Another exception, you're, if you're proposing marriage, the position of a supplicant, that's fine. You're going to tell that woman why this horrible idea is really a good idea. Feel free to take a knee. That's fine. Other than that, we don't, we don't kneel before people. Then my knee, And it's not a pride thing. I don't have a problem kneeling before God exclusively, my kneeling is before God. And Peter's saying, no, no, this is unacceptable. I'm just a man. Uh, Peter took him up saying, stand up, I myself am also a man. As he talked with him, he went in and found many that will come together. How cool. How cool is this? (laughs) I got a whole group of people who want to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. (sighs) All my dreams come true. And he said to them, you know that it is an unlawful thing for a man that is a Jew to keep company, to come unto one or another nation. I don't know if this is the best start. You know, I'm not even supposed to be here, basically is what he's saying. But God has showed me that I should not call any man common or unclean. That's what the vision was about. It was not about what you should or shouldn't eat. Okay? Just, that's... I." Peter got the download, he was there, and he says, This is what God showed me. I'm not supposed to call any man common or unclean. Therefore came I unto you without gainsaying, as soon as I was sent for. I ask, therefore, what this is all about? For what intent? Ye have sent for me, and Cornelius said, Four days God is fasting until this hour. At the ninth hour I prayed in my house, and behold, a man stood before me in bright clothing and said, Cornelius, thy prayer is heard, and thine alms are had in remembrance in the sight of God. Send therefore to Joppa, and call hither Simon, whose surname is Peter. He is lodged in the house of one Simon the Tanner by the seaside. Uh, when he cometh, he, he shall speak unto thee. So he recounts his vision you think you remember if an angel came and told you this that you'd be able to later on rehearse it and get it right and tell everyone what happened this is, this is that immediately therefore I sent to thee thou hast well done that thou art come hey thanks for getting here thanks for being here I appreciate that is what he's saying now therefore are we all here present before God to hear all things that are commanded thee of God go ahead you have the floor Is the idea as I, as I read it right then Peter opened his, opened his mouth and said of a truth, I perceive that God is no respecter of persons. Two salvations happen. The Gentiles, I don't want to be a spoiler alert, they're going to get saved, right? Peter, his prejudice is, if not going away, if not gone away, going away. I totally get this. I mean, to those back in Joppa and his circumcision. That's what they call the Jews, right? Of the circumcision. His, his cronies. His, the people of like belief. They're going to give him they didn't, grief because they didn't have the vision. They didn't see what happened. They don't, they're not part of this. He's going to have to rehearse it to them. But if you would tell them beforehand, what? Yeah, next you'll be telling me God's saving dogs. That's what they call us. They call us dogs. Still. Goyim. It's dogs. Unbelievers. It's and this, is it still prejudiced that way? Oh yeah? Well, I don't, you know, let them deal with it, okay? I'm just saying, Us. I'm glad that Petrus, th- this whole chapter. I mean, the salvation of the Gentiles is a wonderful thing. The gospel going into Europe is a wonderful thing. God saving these people is incredible and good, but God teaching us, no, I'm not a respecter of persons. That's a man, that's a lesson we all have to take with us. And I like Maine. I like Maine. By and large, we're not that we're not that people group. We're not really generally like super racist. I, I tell you, I was born in Boston. In Boston, I, I don't think it was, I think it's still day. Like Dorchester and Roxbury and parts of Mattapan, are very different ethnicities live together. I understand that. You know, when you move en masse from wherever you came from to America, and y'all migrate and you settle in areas, you know, birds of a feather. I, I get that. And that in and of itself isn't, isn't a bad thing. You know, uh, uh, East Boston is all Italian. I grew up in a very Italian neighborhood in Brighton. Um, you know, uh, Mattapan has very, a, a lot of Latino. Um, West Roxbury, a lot of Greek. And, and it kind of worked like that when I was a kid. And it was kind of always that way. And the others, anyone who wasn't of us, was looked upon suspiciously. And even in my Italian neighborhood, guess what? Kasperzak is not an Italian name. And, oh, we have, you know, the Mazzolas, the Gentilucci's, my best friend Billy Salvucci, Anthony Ruffo, Dino Lombardi, (laughs) you know, the Pellegrini's lived here. It's all Italian names. And uh, we were, and then Kasperzak, and it was just like, you know, I I don't know, we just ended up living there. And we kind of were like, I I remember, this is funny, I remember being called half-breeds because my mom was Irish and my dad was Polish and you're thinking not really oh no really that's a very very specific racism okay I can say in Boston they do it to an art form and I don't know if it's still like that I've been away for a long long time I give them the benefit of the doubt maybe they're all past that now but when I grew up it wasn't that way in Maine you know I moved up here and it, it was uh, not as pronounced, it's very subtle, like, because we don't have a lot. Of, this is the whitest station, uh, the whitest state in the union. I'm kind of sorry it's that way, my own self. I like ethnicities and a lot of different, uh, yeah, come on in. Water's fine. Bring your culture. I love that. Definitely bring your food. If you do food real well, open up a restaurant. I'll come visit. I don't, Cambodian, Vietnam, I don't ki- We love it all, right? And and I, I think we're like that, more accepting, more like. And but I remember, like you know, back in the '70s when I moved up here, you know, there was a. Every once in a while, there was a black family, you know. And they said, "Oh, that Negro guy <laughs> uses <kind> of language <laughs> like that," or and and they talk about like, "Wow, like yeah, he's just like a regular guy. He's out there on his tractor, and he's," and people would look like, wow, he's just." And I thought, like, how cute, how quaint. But it wasn't hatred. And I think now we're, like, as a society, and may, we're way past that. We're not, I don't think we're those people anymore. And I like that. I like that. I think other parts of the country are still struggling in a lot of ways, in a lot of places. I can see it. But I don't think that's us. Uh, I like to be part of a group that's not racist. We can be in other ways, though. You know, I think some of us look, up, look down our nose at unbelievers. <laughs> They're creating the image of God, too. They're but for the gospel of Jesus Christ, go us. I mean, we can't, you know, oh, he's a he's a heathen. You mean like I used to be? Yeah, share the gospel with him. You don't like where, what he's what he's talking, what he's doing. Tell him about Jesus. I mean, uh, but don't, don't, we try to, that caste system. That, stories told, I was listening to one guy, he's talking about, Gandhi, who was really enamored by Jesus Christ and loved the Sermon on the Mount, and when he went to visit a a church in India, he was turned away, and and the guy at the door said, yeah, you should probably go with your own kind, because he had dark skin. I don't know if that's an urban legend or that actually happened. It serves our purpose to underline what I'm saying here. Imagine if that really happened, and and maybe it did. What an awful thing that would have been! Hey, you're not welcome here. You, you and your skin color go there's over there with the uh, with your own kind. Can you imagine such a thing? I, uh, okay, let's keep moving. <laughs> okay, go ahead and speak. Uh, uh, w- where am I? Where am I? Thirty-five. Oh. Peter opened his mouth, the truth I perceive, God is no respecter of persons. And God, you have to understand something about God. He's no respecter of persons. But in every nation, he that feareth him and worketh righteousness is accepted with him. Saved? No. I, that's a good thing he's saying. That's, we understand, you know, up in heaven, you know, God's taking note of that. But if, if Cornelius is already saved because he's doing good things, what's the purpose of Peter being there? Uh, Peter's saying, yeah, God understands. He, he, he tells you to do right, and you're doing right, that's a good thing. The word which God sent unto the children of Israel, preaching peace by Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. That word, I say, ye you know, which was published to all of Judea and began from Galilee after the baptism which John preached, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power. Who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. What a wonderful presentation of the life of Jesus in just a verse. That's who he was. He went about doing good. He he delivered, he healed all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. And we are his witnesses of all these things, which he both... Which he did both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem, who they slew and hanged on a tree. Well, what kinda involved that? Do we always have to talk about that? Oh yeah. Yeah, without Jesus dying for our sins, there is no gospel. People accuse us of having a a bloody gospel. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Guilty is charged. It's the blood of Jesus that cleanses us from all sins. He has to he has to talk about the crucifixion. We always I, I don't think I ever share without talking about the cross. You know, if I'm sharing with somebody about Jesus' life and times, his ministry, his, I, let's get to the good stuff, his redemption. He died for your sins. You, you, have to, you have to get people to the cross. Him, God raised up the third day and showed him openly, and the resurrection, because you've got to understand we don't worship a dead Savior. He wouldn't be very helpful if he was. God raised him up the third day, showed him openly. Now all the people, not to all the people, but unto witnesses chosen before of God, even to us who did eat and drink with him after he rose from the dead. And he commanded us to preach unto the people and to testify that it is he which was ordained of God to be the judge of the quick and the dead. Quick there means living. He's the judge of the the living and the dead. To him gave, uh, give all the prophets witness that through his name, whom, whosoever believeth in him shall receive remission of sins. Now, you've got to understand something. This is the gospel of Jesus Christ, okay? We've got someone who's a, a, a guy who does good, who prays, who gives alms. And Peter says, you just keep doing that and you keep doing enough and you'll be okay. When you stand before Jesus, he'll say, "Well, how many arms did you get? How much did you give? Oh' you're, oh, you're way above the quota. you're good. You're good. right? Wrong. This is the gospel to him. All the prophets, all the witnesses, uh, they, the, the whole book is talking this one thing that through His name whoever believes in him shall receive, Remission of sins. Your sins are dismissed. Is the idea here remission, through what belief in His name? Well, you got to behave. No, you got to believe. Isn't that a revolutionary gospel? Listen, I was on behavior. That I was on that track. I was very religious, and going to hell. And I believe that you know you got to be a good person. You gotta, you gotta do good things. You gotta do religious things. And I never knew him. And my life was wasn't pretty. And I heard the gospel. You gotta believe in his name. Wait, what? Yeah, he'll give you his life. He'll take your sin. He'll give you his righteousness. Well, who wouldn't do that? I, I believed it. I believed it. I, I had to. I was desperate. I mean, if, I, if I'm going to make it on my merit, guess what? I'm not very meritorious. I, I can you, you know how, like uh, some people just rearrange the rules that, that makes them a good person. I'm, I'm very good. I believe in a woman's right to choose. See how good I am. I, I, I accept gays and lesbians and, and transgender people. See how good I am? How compassionate, how open, how affirming I am? Wait, what? All you did was, we're lining up for the field goal and you're moving the goalpost to accommodate your own activities. That isn't God. That isn't good. That isn't, that's just your really weak definition of good. I say that. Tuesday's coming, by the way. Go to the polls. Bring Jesus with you, and I'll be happy no matter what you do. Do those two things. Go to the polls, okay? That's a Christian responsibility as far as I'm concerned. And vote like Jesus would have you vote. And it may mean a little homework, okay? Sue knows everything. She is, no, I'm, she's, she's all like, oh, don't, don't say that. She is the oracle. She does all the homework. I ask her what, I, what I'm supposed to know, and she tells me all the stuff. And she'd be more than happy to share what, everything she knows with you as well. Uh, People are emailing her and Facebooking her, okay, what do I do on referendum question number three and all this stuff, and she is more than happy to share. But go to the polls, and you should probably already have all this formulated out anyway. I don't know how I got there. (laughs) I never do. Okay. uh, So he's, he's... Saying these things, he's as close as he's going to get while Peter yet spake. He ain't, he ain't finished his sermon yet. There's no, okay, as, uh, as uh, Luke here plays the accordion, uh, you know, all heads bowed, all eyes closed. If you None of this stuff, right? He's just sharing with them, and right in the middle of his, the Holy Spirit interrupts, right in the middle of his sermon. How rude is that? Praise God, while Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on all them which heard the word. Well, how do you know the Holy Spirit fell on them? One, because it says so. And they of the circumcision which believed. They were astonished as many as came with Peter because that on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. How do we know? Ah, verse 46. So they heard them speak with tongues and magnify and magnify God. Then answered Peter. And we'll, we'll talk about what Peter's answer is. So the Holy Spirit falls on them and the gift of tongues is evident. And we, you say, well, I don't speak in tongues, and does that mean that I'm full of the Holy Spirit? Could be, or or might not. The reason it is obvious here is because God has to do something that shows them that, okay, this is for real, they're legit. Remember what happened to you in Acts chapter 2 when the Spirit of God came on you and you spoke with other tongues as the Spirit gave it utterance? Well, that happened on them so you can connect the dots and say, well, they just had a Pentecostal experience just like we did. They had the Holy Spirit fall on them and give them the gift of tongues like we did. Now, I will tell you here, if you're, this is how we've always said what we always think. The, the gifts are still for today, I'm, no, I'm never one to talk about the mandatoriness. If you have the Holy Spirit in your life, you'll speak in I never say that. I never say that. I don't believe that. I believe that, you know, you, you, you come tell me. Well, I, I had a very spiritual experience. I prayed and, you know, I started speaking in tongues and I don't know where that came from. You come and tell me. I, you know, the Spirit of God filled me and, you know, I got bathed in this liquid love and I felt love for my neighbor and I just felt like I had a... Whatever happened to you happened to you. I can't gainsay your experience. But here, something very specific is happening. So like they will understand that it's the same Holy Spirit on these Gentiles. And this is what Paul's going to... Keep simple. This is what Peter's going to use as evidence. I tell you, he's in trouble with those. They said, you slept at a Gentile's house? You went into a Gentile's house and you went and you shared the gospel? What is up with you? What were you thinking? And he's going to rehearse this and he say, look... You know what happened and we have these witnesses here the spirit of God fell on them and they spoke in tongues and they gave praise to God like it happened to us. And look it's you can argue with the Bible okay well this isn't this isn't for today let's see what's that verse I never seen it again I've been reading the Bible since I was 20 I know the verses you Use incorrectly to come to that assumption. I know, we've we've had the debates all about them. I don't think you can prove it. I'm sure in my own mind you can't. But I'm not one that says you have to speak in tongues. I'll never be like that. Because I see times when people are filled with the Spirit who haven't spoken tongues. And as long as the the Bible says what the Bible says, I'm not going to editorialize. I know God knows how to speak, He doesn't need editors. I'm just teaching what it says. They heard them speak with tongues, and what is the tongues? It was prophetic tongues. It was no, this is what tongues is, and magnify God. And we read in 1 Corinthians 14 about the gift of tongues, and it's that's what it's all about. It magnifies God. And then they, and then Peter, then answered Peter, Can any man forbid water that these should not be baptized, which have received the Holy Ghost as well as we? Uh, Acts chapter 8. The Ethiopian eunuch gets saved. What happens? Baptism. Acts chapter 9, Solotharsis gets saved. What happens? Baptism. Acts chapter 10, uh, what happens? Cornelius gets saved. What after that? Baptism. Uh, you see a trend beginning to emerge here? Belief in baptism. Okay? I want you to understand that's God's norm. Um, Can any man forbid water? These should not be baptized, which have received the Holy Ghost as well as we. Peter gets it. Praise God. Peter's not the same man as he was a couple of days ago. The vision, the, the housing the guys, even before that, his, him being in the, the, wor- the house of the tanner, uh, all this. God, does he get it? He gets it for now. Later on, Paul's going to have to rebuke him for being hypocritical when it comes to Gentiles. And we can read about that in Galatians another time because we're out of time now. Should, can, can any, they got the Holy Spirit, the same Holy Spirit we got, the same way we got. Wow, can anyone forbid water that these should be baptized? He's basically asking any objections, you know. And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Then prayed they him to tarry certain days. One last point, stay with me. Hey, hang out here with us. We, we need to know more stuff. Uh, this is wonderful. Thanks for Tell us about Jesus, thanks for baptizing us can you just kind of hang out, can we have some fellowship, can we just kind of like be together can you teach us more stuff and they were so excited to hear the word of the Lord and so Peter stayed with them, several days that's, 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 that's monumental, Gentiles are getting saved, Peter's being saved from his prejudices salvation and salvation again, winner, winner, both of them, there's no one's this there's winners and there's no losers. This is how it is with the Lord. Uh, it's, all, it's good all the way around. Now, perhaps you need to hear this. Jesus died for your sins and belief in him. and I think we've covered this. That's salvation. You being a good person, no. Swing and a miss. You're never going to be good enough to earn, your, earn heaven. So with that in mind, our, our kids are going to come now. They're going to send us out of here in song. If you need, you say, I want in. Oh, we would want that for you too. Come and see me after or somebody and pray with us. Don't go away unsaved. That would be a, that would be a tragedy, a travesty. So why don't you guys stand and our worship team is going to come down and we'll, we'll pray. Father, we pray you would bless your clear word. And Lord, that you might visit some today with salvation. And you, you would draw them out. And Lord, once and for all, we would give up on a, the futility of good works and come to believe in the one who was crucified on our behalf, who paid the penalty for our sins, who was resurrected from the dead to give us eternal life. Oh, we praise and thank you for this great salvation. And we would share it with all. Bless, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.